Thanks for listening to the nice podcast. I'm Dave Delaney. If you haven't noticed, we've taken a little bit of a hiatus over the last several months. Uh, A big revelation was found. I have ADHD, and that explains a whole lot. And of course, naturally, as a veteran podcaster, I started another podcast all about it, and it's called ADHD Wise Squirrels, and you can find it at wisequirrels.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just search ADHD Wise Squirrels. Pop over and have a listen. Let me know what you think. Thanks. Every time that the uh, that finances came up, the CEO would take he would back up just a little bit, like not a whole step back, but just he would like settle back a little bit, you know. And you kind of when you standing up, but you kind of yeah. you relax a little bit and you back up a little bit. When when somebody does that, that that lets you know it suggests it indicates it doesn't mean for sure. Yeah, they're not sure about the information they're giving you. So you have to decide whether that information they're giving you is bad information and they know it, or is it they just don't know, or do they get this information from their financial person and that person knows everything, and so you need to talk to that person. Nice. 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 Nice with Dave Delaney. I thought it'd be fun to start today with a little story that I thought I would share with you. There is a wonderful state park in Nashville called Radnor Lake. It's gorgeous. If you know the area, you might be familiar. And of course, it's fall, which makes it even better. And there are actually multiple parks around Nashville and greenways. I'm pretty lucky to live here. Anyway, I decided to go for a hike a couple of weekends ago. The weather was just perfect and uh, went out on my own. And did this. My my kids are both teenagers and had things going on, and my wife was out of town, so decided, ah, I'll just go take a little hike. Now, as I was walking through the forest, I saw other parents walking with their young children, and I started feeling down. Started feeling nostalgic and kind of sad that uh, my kids are teenagers now. And if you have teenagers or you've had teenagers, you know, they're on their own now kind of doing their thing. And the last thing they really want to do typically is to, uh, is to do that. And that's cool. I get it. So I was walking along and I was feeling kind of not depressed, but certainly kind of, kind of sad about it. And I stopped myself midway and thought, I spent time taking my kids on hikes in the woods here in this very park many times when they were little, both with the kids, just the three of us, or with my wife, Heather, even with my uh, mom visiting from, from Toronto. And it got me thinking that we had great experiences walking through the woods and that my kids they might be in the back of their minds, but they have memories there of doing that with me. I didn't neglect them. I didn't choose not to spend time with them. And I would like to add that both of my kids are awesome kids. They really are cool people and good people. And I say that because I'm really proud of them and the people they've become and the people they're becoming. And so I turned it around in my head instead of, you know, kind of meandering through the woods, feeling kind of bummed out, I turned it around and I thought, no, actually, you know what? This is a moment to celebrate. This is a moment of joy that I should be feeling happy that we had those times walking in the woods and that we had great experiences together and that they've turned out to be great kids. And I share this with you because I want you as a leader to slow down a bit and enjoy your life and enjoy your family and enjoy your people, the people that you work with. 
So I'm not turning this around into some sales pitch for future fourth, nothing like that. I just wanted to share this little story with you before I jump into the episode today. And I've got a great one, by the way. I'm interviewing Scott Rouse, who is a world famous body language expert, somebody who uh, I think you are going to really enjoy. Scott is awesome. I interviewed him before on a former podcast a few million years ago. And we've uh, we've actually shared the stage at, uh, I think, multiple events, uh, speaking engagements and things like that. So Scott is super cool. You're really going to get a lot from this conversation all about using body language. So, And so with that, get ready to learn a lot and you'll get more right after this. Welcome to The Nice Podcast, a podcast all about communication, collaboration, and becoming better leaders. I'm your host with the most, or something like that, Dave Delaney. I've got the amazing body language expert, awesome, cool guy, person I really admire and respect a lot, Mr. Scott Rouse. How are you, Scott? Hey, I'm good, Dave. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. What's the nicest thing someone has done for you recently? Uh, the nicest thing someone's done for me recently. There's so many. Everybody's always so nice to me for some reason. Um, <laughs> uh, what was it? I think, cause you know, we, we're still trying to, to stay indoors as much as possible Yeah. in the, so <laughs> this sounds so corny, but my wife, uh, she, she brings me coffee in the morning, you know, cause we get up, we try to spend the first like hour hanging out and, and, and talking and, and everything in the morning. And then she got up this morning and, and, uh, and what I have for breakfast is it's kind of odd to put together. It's, it's, it's toast, you know, but it's, it's, you know, rye bread, but it's toast. Yeah. So you toast that and put on peanut butter raisins Ooh. and just a little bit of honey. Oh, <laughs> and man. she brought me that. <laughs> so that was, that was nice. It's so corny sounding. I can't stand it. But so that was cool. That's, that was really nice. That's very nice. That's a great, that just yeah. made me hungry. That's a great way to, do you think it's she'd a, bring me some? Hang on a second. Sweetie. <laughs> Let me see. I'm sure she would. I'll be nice to her. There you go. Hey now. Um, no, I've been I've been really looking forward to to talking to you. I know we've uh, we have uh, had some great great experiences working together in the past. Oh, yeah. Speaking, uh, you know, sharing stages at events and and things like yeah. that. And yeah. uh, and when I tell people about you know, I often in my presentations and in my training as well, you know, because I speak a lot about communication and the nice method, of course. Mm-hmm. I talk about body language um, with the full caveat that I'm not an expert, but I know one. And oh, okay. <laughs> so I, I share like a few tips on on body language in my presentations, but I always say, uh. but my buddy Scott is like he's he's the master at this, and you really are. I mean, you're someone that you know professionals call in, uh, law enforcement call in. Uh, others call in to, to mm. bring to different different settings and different situations, sometimes quite high stake situations to to read body language. Do, do you want to talk a little about that? Yeah, yeah. I work with all kinds of people. It's mostly training is the thing I like the most because I can when yeah. you train, for example, if you train the military, you get to meet the most awesome people in the whole wide world because right. you think, oh, it's military people. It's a certain thing. these cats, man are so smart, <laughs> some of them. It's unbelievable. And when it comes to law enforcement, you've got the same thing. You've got detectives. Those guys are into figuring things out. So that, for some reason, me and that headspace go together really well, mm. trying to figure out what, what the, uh, not just who killed somebody or who shot somebody or all that, but why. So getting to the why is really important. So it depends on whether you're we're talking about body language when I'm training or we're doing interrogation, which you throw, which body language is a part of that for most uh, people who are interrogators, for some it isn't. It's just uh, an analytical situation. Mm-hmm. But to take the entire uh, thing in, into consideration, I always make sure I add body language to that when I'm when I'm training for those. Yeah. So, do, do you ever um, like have you like what are it's, well when we first met and we started working mm-hmm. together a little bit here and there, we were doing stuff. Um, at the Entrepreneur Center here in Nashville, um, right. working with some startups and and some VCs in town. Um, mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about how, because a lot of my audience are technology leaders working in, in, in running fast growing technology companies. Tell mm-hmm. me a little bit how about how you can use 
body language to win over like pitching, uh, pitching VCs or not necessarily win over, but, but certainly help your chances from, from the stuff that you've seen, or maybe some mistakes that you've seen in, in presentations that way. Okay. Well, as you know, I've trained thousands of startups and everyone that I've trained for pitching, every one of them has, have been funded. Every one of them to the man, woman, child, whatever it is, they've all been funded. And it, not from the first pitch, but as you go through, there are several pitches you do, but they've all been funded mm-hmm. up to this day. And I still train them when I get a chance. Uh, I think I'm doing three right now. Mm. But, uh, but the key is, most people are under the impression you want to get someone, you want to do a pitch where they go, like it's Shark Tank, where they go, yes, I'll invest in it. Right. Well, what you, you, you want to get them to invest, but what you want to get them to do, and this is, I think this is key, you want them to want to help you. So, and there's a, there's a, a path you can go down to get someone in the headspace to want to help you instead of saying, okay, I'll... I'll fund this. Here we go. If you have a group of, of angel investors and you get, and you, let's say you talk them into funding you for something, you don't, your pitch is good and all that, but you get to talking with them and, and you persuade them to, to, to go and to, to, to uh, invest in you. Then you have about every day, you have three or four phone calls. How's it looking? What's the money doing? What's going on over there? What's going to happen next? Have you done this? Have you done that? What about this? What do you need? What can I do to do this? What do I need to do? But when you when when you have a group of people who want to help you, you get one phone call every couple of days, and it's like, hey man, how's it going? What do you need? Is there anything you need from us? How can we help you? What do you need? Because you want to come from that space of them wanting to help you, which is key. And then making sure that most most investors, a lot of the VCs, they'll they'll be looking at these people and just part of it will be, oh, are they are they full of it or not? You know, and they'll get past, they'll start believing. If it starts sounding okay, they'll believe the person is honest and into it and and therefore the reason they say they're there. But there are some keys I think you probably know of some of the 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 uh, situations I flipped out of the entrepreneur center where the person wasn't who they they weren't who they said they were mm. and weren't there for the reasons they said they were there for. So when you have uh VCs who are putting in and in a huge amount of money in something. Oh yeah. You you've got to make sure, excuse me, you got to make sure the um, the person you're giving the money is not only do they want to do it and have passion for it, can they pa- can they make it happen? And if it goes sideways on them, are they going to run and take your money? Or are they there just to take your money? Or do they really believe this thing can happen? So a lot of it is training the VCs as well. But in, a lot of times what will happen is I'll go and I'll train a couple of them from a group. And then they'll say, you know what we need? Why don't you just come in and sit down and, and watch the pitches with us? So I did the same thing I did at the EC when 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 I would uh, help Michael vet those uh, uh, entrepreneurs coming in. Mm. I do that for companies now. You know, remember we'd sit around in the in the room, we'd watch them, and then Michael would just tear them up. Right. And then, but but, but so it's sort of the it, I wouldn't dare I wouldn't tear somebody up if I was being hired to because that's not where what I'd be there for. Yeah. But to kind of point out the things to let them know this person may not be. Confident with it, with what they're doing, their teammates or just somebody that had come in in the last couple of weeks. And they may say they've been there for a long time, and there's specific things you can see that will tell you all those things. Um, what are I can go on forever about all that. <laughs> what What are some of those things that you can see? Well, uh, a good example would be one time it was we were doing a thing at Vanderbilt, and um, it was. It was I can't remember what the what the why we were there or who who was there for it might have been David first might have mm-hmm. had a thing there, and so we were watching. Uh, that's what it was. We were judging pitches. That's what it was. Okay, mm-hmm. I remember now. I got it. Judging pitches, and as the guy went through his his his, uh, here's what's going to happen. Here's and now our financial guy will talk about this, and so the financial guy would say something, and then they'd go back to the, to the uh, the the CEO, the main guy, and every time that. The uh, the finances came up. The CEO would take he would back up just a little bit, like not a whole step back, but just he would like settle back a little bit, you know. And you kind of when you standing up, but you kind of yeah. you relax a little bit and you back up a little bit. When when somebody does that, that that lets you know it suggests it indicates it doesn't mean for sure. Yeah, they're not sure about the information they're giving you. So you have to decide whether that information they're giving you is bad information and they know it. Or is it they just don't know? Or do they get this information from their financial person and that person knows everything and so you need to talk to that person? 
And then once you decide if if you need to talk to that person when you do, what are they doing that lets you know that they're being um, honest with you and, and letting you know the things they actually do know? They're not making things up. And there are specific things you can see that someone's making, I hate to say making something up, but you know, you, you'll get yeah. in your bullshit a little bit mm-hmm. to get past some things you don't know without saying, hang on a minute, I don't know, but I'm going to get back to you, which is the most important thing you can do as an entrepreneur when somebody asks you a question you don't know. You don't fake it till you make it. You know that's fraud. Right. You just say, "Hang on a minute. Let me. Uh, let me. I got to get back to you on that." You don't want to be because if you don't say that, if you don't do that, then they're going to say, "Hey, man, this isn't true." If they already know, a lot of times these guys, what I train VCs to do, are, are ask questions they already know the answers to. Mm. That way, you can see how that person acts when they're telling the truth or if they're not being honest with you. So if I'm not there, they'll be able to spot these things. It takes a little while to train you to see these things in, in that situation. But but once you know what they are, boy, they stand out like, like you know, they're big red flags. And they're not always spot on. You can't say every time there are no absolutes in body language. So you can't say just, be, you know, they scratch their nose, that means they're lying. Or they cross their arms, they're not into what I have to say. Or they broke eye contact when telling me something. So I know that's a, that's a lie. Those are all, those all mean nothing whatsoever. Right. Very little. And, but people are under the impression they mean a whole lot. So there's just a million things you can you can do and say and show to let you know someone is is uh, not being honest with you or doesn't know what they're doesn't have all the information they need. And I like yeah, I like that approach to it. I like it's almost like the old polygraph uh, scenes that you at least see in the movies when they ask like a couple you know leading questions that they know the answers to just to test the polygraph and to, to make sure it's actually working correctly. Um, so in yeah. a, in a similar sort of way, it's a, that's great, a great tip to, you know, in that sort of setting to ask a question that you already know the answer to, to see how they respond. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah you ask several, not just one or two. Mm. You ask, you know, as you go through, you, you ask, you do that. Same thing in interrogation. It's basically taking interrogation skills and putting those in the, uh, um, startup world. Mm. So it's when you, when you look at what, what I train VCs and entrepreneurs too, and, you, it go, it's parallel to what goes on in interrogation. It's just a different um, direction with it, or a different. Although it runs parallel, it's a different um, execution of those skills. I guess you'd say. There's this. So there's this stat that I love from the Society of Human Resources, SHRM, uh, that it costs on average about six to nine months of an employee's salary to replace him or her. So mm. for an employee making like 60,000, that comes out to roughly 30 to 45,000 in recruiting and retraining costs. And so not just in a VC sort of setting, but also in a, in a management or leadership role when you're hiring a new employee oh, and during yeah. that interview process at the very beginning, at least, being mindful yeah. of, of, are there questions that you recommend sort of asking in that kind of setting or? Um, one of my favorites is, is there anything you haven't told me that I need to need, need to know about, mm. you know, toward the end? Is there anything you've told me that I need to know about and you, and you don't blink, you don't look away, you just keep looking at them because they don't know if you know that or not. And there's a way to set that up. So when you get to the end of it and when you let that go, you know, a lot of times they'll tell you, you know, what haven't you told me, mm. but you say it and there's different, um, approaches to that you have to take into consideration what's going on to that point you know um, uh, what kind of person it is who you're you know but once you get into that and you, you you'll know how to ask the questions about what haven't you told me that I, you think i might need to know and th- does that apply I, that i would imagine that applies in most different settings oh you can too, add, yeah yeah you ask it to anybody anytime you get a chance what else what else do i need to know about this you haven't told me yeah interesting. and that yeah that opens up um I mean, that's a whole, that's a, such an open-ended question about, you know, they could tell you, and they, sometimes they'll start telling you anything, you know, again, something from interrogation to that. And it's just, it's some of the things you, you would, you never ask if you ask them like that, you'll yeah. get so much more information that you, that you'd never think you'd get. There's so many ways to get more information from someone. I also like the technique of, of being silent and allowing the person oh, yeah. to do additional talking. Oh yeah, yeah. Most people are under the impression. Let that, that. Let's talk about eye contact with that, yeah. because most people are when they ask someone a question, they think that when that person, if they break eye contact, they go, "Oh, that person is lying." 
Well, what we know now from all the research that shows us, that's not true. And what happens is the person who breaks eye contact with you, they're probably just thinking about the, about the answer right. as and, and trying to get, get their their answer together. And they're not looking up and to the left or down to the left, whatever that crap is. They say, I'm looking in a specific direction to get this part of my brain or that part of my brain. So what they're doing is just, as everyone does, they'll, they'll just maybe look down to the left, look to the right, wherever it is their little home for looking is. As they think, now the person who's giving you an answer that may not be true is that person who will keep eye contact with you almost so it's uncomfortable because we know that uh, most people, since they think if you break eye contact, it means you're lying. They think you'll think it means they're lying. They'll want to keep, you know, keep eye contact with you. And another thing would be is, is to watch their blink rate because when someone, most people think when somebody's lying to you, their blink rate goes through the roof, not when they're looking at you. Because their brain, your brain has to do three things when you tell a lie. It has to keep you from telling the lie. It has to make up the lie. And then it has to deliver the lie. Mm. And during all that, your eyes, will they'll stay focused on that person to make sure that person believes them. Because that the story they're telling, because when you deliver the lie, that's where all the action is. So if, if you ask someone a question, you say, you know, um, so was, or was that, I don't know, let's put an interrogation situation. Was that, that you in the, in the, uh, Let's see, did you take the earrings out of the the office? Yeah. And they say, no, I, I, I wouldn't, not, it wasn't me. And you just keep looking at them. Then they'll add what are called qualifiers usually, because I couldn't go in there because of this, or I was doing this. I would never, they'll start adding things to it. So those are the things you want to listen for yeah. when you ask a question and you just wait, just pause. If they're uncomfortable, they'll say, what are you doing? You know what? This is getting to be weird. If not, they're focused on their answer so hard to be true, they'll start adding these qualifiers to it. But if they say, hey, what are you doing, man? This is weird. Yeah. You know, most likely you're, you've got somebody who's okay. Most likely. You always can't. You can't tell for sure. None of this is 100%. Yeah. What, what What's a sort of some tips on res, kind of in a, in a way sort of reverse – body language in the sense that you want to make someone feel more comfortable. So let's say you're, well, you're speaking to a team member. Maybe you've got a, you know, maybe you've got something critical. You've got to go over with someone, you know, to make them feel, feel more comfortable. Okay. Well, what you're at that point, most people, when you, when you speak with them, they're trying to think of what they're going to say next mm. when they, during the conversation. So one of the keys is this, as you talk to somebody, you want their, and this, I'm not saying their brain's going to for sure think that you're, they're the one talking, but the idea is this. You just, you tilt your hearing, the, the ear you usually listen with when somebody's talking, you tilt that one ear, you tilt your head sideways a little bit toward that person as you're listening. Do that while you're talking. A lot of times people use what are called illustrators, where that's when your hands come up and move while you're talking, mm -hmm. and they usually go out. And those, those things emphasize specific words or phrases as you say them. Each word is this. And so when I was saying that, then I would have my hand come out like, you know, uh, and point or hit the desk or just move my hand. Mm -hmm. So what you want to do, and those usually go outward, but what you want to do is pay attention to your illustrators. And as you're illustrating, you do a you don't, you don't, you illustrate toward yourself almost like you're trying to draw information out of that person. That gives them the, the, what they're used to seeing during that. If your head is tilted toward them and your eyebrows are up and you're sort of look like you're pulling information out of them, that there there's a part of their brain that goes, "Huh, I don't need to think about what I'm going to say because this person is listening to me. I know what this looks like. It's not in the front of your brain. It doesn't cross your mind, but subconsciously that's what's going on." And if I need to tell somebody something, I got a lot I got to talk about, and I want them to be quiet. And that's usually if they're in trouble for something. Mm. That's what I do. And that's what I train um, CEOs to do. That's what I train uh, entrepreneurs to do, startups, um, VCs, everyone that, that is giving someone information, talk show hosts, news people. If you want somebody, if you're trying to give them information, you want them to listen. Look like you're the one listening as you give them the information. Mm, that's mm. one of the keys that I always use. Yeah, that's great. So, do you? What are some common things that you see in in the sort of VC, you know, CEO sort of world? What are some common things that you're advising them on, or you're teaching them to do, or not to do? Uh, well, I like I like to teach them to to pay attention. 
a lot of times CEOs, they'll, they'll, depending on, let's say if you're in their office, they'll be slunked back in their chair, all hunched down with their hands in front of their face almost, you know, up in the uh, up in the steepling position, and they'll say, hmm, and they want to give off this air of, I'm the person in power. That, you know, those are tough people to work with. Yeah. So, And sometimes they don't realize they're doing it. They're just used to doing it. So I always say, make sure your, your body language is quote-unquote open. Most people are under the impression that crossed arms mean the person is, isn't interested in what you have to say. That's not true. Most of the time it means that they're more comfortable that way. It may be cold in there. Mm-hmm. Or they're just used to doing that. And that's the way when they're thinking they'll cross their arms and put their hand upon their mouth, that kind of thing. So that's totally fine. However, most people think that it means you're not into what they have to say. So try not to cross your arms. Try to have open body language. Keep your arms. Don't have them tight to your side. You know, Keep them out a little bit as you're, uh, while you're sitting down. And sit on the edge of the, not on the edge of the chair, but scoot forward a little bit as you're talking to them. Look interested in what they're saying and do that little trick I told you about how to get your head leaned uh, to the side just a little bit so it looks like you're listening as you're talking. There are a lot of things you can do. And point your feet toward them as you're talking to them. Mm-hmm. They, they don't know this consciously, but there's something that lets you know if somebody's feet are pointing toward the door, and we know this now, that that's where they're thinking about. Where are their feet are pointing? That's where their head is. If you're talking in a group of people and the person you're talking to, their feet are pointed toward the person next to you or two people over, but they're looking at you, the person they want to talk to or they're interested in is that other person. Mm. You know, so cut your uh, your, your your speech short there as you're talking with them. Let them get on with the, the other thing. Or if they come into your office and they're st- and you say, hey, come here, let me ask you something. You're talking to them, but their feet are still headed toward, pointed toward the door. They're in a hurry. Let them go. You know, say, hey, okay, I can tell you in a hurry. We'll talk. I'll ask you about this later. And they won't say, no, 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 go ahead and ask me. Say, okay, thanks, man. And they'll they'll leave. Right. Things like that. There's, there are thousands of little things you can use and do. Well, and I love, too, that, like, as you said and as you say in your book, which I do, I did want to mention, too, um, mm-hmm. about, it, you know, there's no, there's no uh, absolutes in, in body language, but when you right. when you combine like if somebody has their arms crossed and they're talking to you okay yeah maybe they're cold so give them the benefit of the doubt there yeah. but if their feet are pointed away from you and their arms are wrapped up and they're like you could kind of combine these possibly to um, make a conclusion that way yeah you want to, as you people will see since there are no absolutes and by that i mean there's not one thing one body language cue you'll see that says ah this person's lying or they're telling the truth there, there are none. That doesn't; those don't exist. What you look for are groups and clusters of behavior that let you know that person is uncomfortable. The mm-hmm. first thing you're looking for, in when you are looking at body language, the first thing you've got to decide is: Are these body language cues you're seeing are they uh, cultural or are they limbic? In other words, is it something that happens in their culture or is it something their brain is doing? Mm-hmm. So when you when you see two or three things that would, would let you know they're uncomfortable, those are called adapters. Those are anything you see the person doing any repetitive behavior, like jiggling their leg or rubbing their hand, or if they've got their arms crossed, they've got their one of their hands is massaging an arm over there, or they're chewing on the side of their mouth or pushing on their face a little bit as you're talking. Those are the things that that let the person get rid of that built up stress, uh, energy or tension. So when you start seeing, if you see one or two of those, then you've got somebody who's, who there's an issue with what you're talking about. They don't agree with it or they're really excited about it. A lot of times you can't tell mm. you'll have, depending on the situation you're in, you'll have people say, when that happens, they're not into what you have to say or they think you're lying. Right. Don't ever listen to that. It's yeah. all that people who say that get on my lap. I did my whole TEDx talk, as you know, was done about, um, seeing things, what most people think about body language isn't true. Yeah. Um, so you're looking for groups of, of, of cues to let you know what's happening. And I love the book, by the way, like uh, uh, it's called understanding body language, how to decode nonverbal communication in life, love and work. And it's a fantastic book because you, you, well, you break it down in different scenarios that life, love and work. So like whether it's dating or whether it's, you know, a work related thing or, or, you know, what, like there's a bunch of different examples in it. The thing is those people, you know, some of those people in that book, they just changed them to different people. Sometimes it was a woman that changed into a man and sometimes it's a man they changed into a woman. Yeah, It was, so there's, um, there are several people in there that you know, from the EC that, that I took pictures of during, Oh, no uh, kidding. When they were, Oh yeah, when they're when they're pitching stuff. Um, 
that that are in there. But I would send him uh, the pictures first and go, hey, you're gonna. And I was like, yeah, you're gonna be in this book. And they're like, oh, well, that's awesome. Yeah, you can use that. And then the drawings would come back. The first drawings would look just like them. But when they when the when the finals came, and they're like, oh, we changed this to this and this. And I was like, oh no, right. You know, I didn't complain because <laughs> he did such a great job with it. And that's yeah. one of the that's one of the main. Uh, comments I get is how much everybody they're like I really like those illustrations in there. Yeah, he nailed that stuff. Yeah, and, every, and I, I I corrected one. He said any corrections on this, and it was something about an arm. I don't even know what it was, but everything he nailed, man, right on the money. Yeah, so and, I was and, really really surprised. And you include that. you include like some celebrities celebrities like uh, like uh, uh, like Bill Clinton and uh, what's oh, his yeah. face here? Uh, oh, I always mix mix up his name. Not Jimmy Kimball. The other guy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But it's talk yeah, show. yeah, talk show host and yeah, it's really it's a it's a great book and and uh, and one that I think everybody should should definitely pick up just because as I said you know and as you're explaining I mean one thing that can be overwhelming when you're trying to interpret or think about body language, you know, after listening to this podcast right now, you might have a meeting and you might think, okay, well, you know, how am I going to, how am I going to apply all this stuff? And you might feel a little overwhelmed just because, okay, so, you know, Sheila's got her arms crossed and her feet are pointing towards the door, you know, she's the worst, but, but, (laughs) but what's interesting in the book is you do kind of lay out different scenarios and, and sort of that combination again, not, not exacts here, but, but Mm. as you said, like when you kind of combine these, these different signs, it's, uh, it can be helpful to help interpret, you know, what somebody is is saying. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. So what's, what do you, what's a problem that you find that's common in, in business communication these days in general? It doesn't have to be body language, but what are some, some things that you you're seeing in your work? People who say they understand something they don't. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Dr. Phil calls that CEO-itis. It's <laughs> someone that you'll say, uh, you've heard of so-and-so. Yeah, okay, treat it like that, and let's move forward on this. That. That is, that's that's a big problem I see. And people, if you knew what to look for in that person and and say, oh, I see a little bit of doubt with that person, yeah. then you can go, are you sure? It's cool if you, and you can say, look, it's cool if you don't. I'll explain it to you. It's really easy. You know, Most of the time, I go, okay, I don't know. Because they want to act like they know, they want to act. They want to. They want you to think they're on top of it all, and because they aren't, it could be. It could cost you time. It could cost you a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Depends on the situation. That's the one I see the most. So a lot of people ask me, "How can I tell if someone is is just saying that? If they're saying they do and they don't, there are a couple of things you can look for. That uh, the the question. <laughs> if you say, "Do you know what I'm talking? To? You know what the so and so is?" And they go, "Yeah," it'll be. It's an odd. They answer a little bit in an odd form because your brain has to do those three things we talked about earlier. It's got to stop you from telling the truth. It's got to create your story, create the lie, then deliver the lie. Mm. And most of the time, the volume on that answer will be a little bit less uh, volumized, will be a little lower than it, than than they've been talking up to that point. He's like, yeah, you know, it, it'll sound, it'll sound out of place. And that's the first thing. So it's okay to go, seriously, do you know what this is? Cause if you don't, I'll tell you, it's really, you know, cause just let me know. And they go, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just didn't want to look. And you say, I totally get it. I used to be like that too. If you want to clean it up and not make that person feel, you know, weird. Yeah. Feel bad about it. See, that's yeah, totally cool, man. I, I get that. And uh, and then explain what it is. That's the biggest problem I see, or a bit, a large problem I see a lot of times, besides not listening. Right. So, and uh, so how can you tell when someone's not really listening to you? You just ask them a question right after. Do you know what I mean? Go, oh yeah. What did I just say? What was I talking about? And then they'll, they'll say, I, I don't know. You know, you don't have to call, you don't have to call them out on say, geez, what was I just talking about? Yeah, I do that a lot, and uh, you, that lets you know if the person is, is listening or not. You when I talk about listening skills in the ROI of nice in that presentation and training, and in the nice method, you know, I teach people to to repeat the information that you receive. So right. with so what you know, so what you're saying is blah 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 blah, and by repeating that information, it makes sure that you actually heard it correctly. First of all, so you, let's say it's your boss giving you this information, then your boss feels you know more trust in you. You know, Dave's got it because he just repeated it verbatim, so he understands the 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 task right and then also right. because i've repeated it out loud it helps my brain go oh this is probably important right. because i verbally and, repeated it 
Right. And one thing, and, and here's, a, here's a little something for you. A little, if you'll repeat the last three to five words someone says when they're giving you information, mm. then that will help them, that will let them know not only that you're listening, but it makes them feel important as you're, as you're doing that. Another thing is if you take notes when somebody's talking, nothing makes you feel more important than somebody's writing down what you're saying. Right. You could be drawing, you know, a mouse. You could know, tell what you, you know, whatever. <laughs> but if you make it feel look like you're writing stuff down while they're talking, man, that, that makes them focus more on you and think, ah, oh, they think I'm important. They're writing it down. <laughs> Unless That's, you're taking notes on your phone. Don't do that. Exactly. Oh yeah. That's horrible. First time I see, you know how that is. You'll be, you'll be oh, yeah. speaking somewhere you see right down their phone. You're like, dang it. Then you go, geez, dude, this thing's, you know, this is doing good on Twitter. Afterwards, you go, oh, okay, gosh, I get it. You know, I was tweeting a thing. Okay, cool. Right. Or taking notes. Yes. Know. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. No, I like I like that idea, though, of, of actually, yeah, grabbing a, a, a pad of paper and a pen and actually, like, sketching down some some notes is uh, is definitely a good way to... Good way to handle that for sure. You mentioned Dr. Phil. Sketching. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sketching. Yeah. You mentioned Dr. Phil. Tell me about. Uh, so you were you were on the show. Is that right? You were a guest. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been on several. Yeah, I've got a couple of them that are still in the can, as okay. they say in the TV business. That are <laughs> that'll be out. Uh, I think this month in, in November anyway, and there'll be some in. Uh, uh, December as well, but yeah. So I've done uh, several shows with him. I actually got to co-host one with him, which was fun. And they're all they're all doing dealing with uh, you know somebody who did something they shouldn't have done, and it's in question whether they did it or not. You know, so I'm part of this thing called the behavior panel. Hmm. It's it's me and my three buddies, and we and when COVID hit, we all were getting on on Zoom and talking about goofy stuff we were seeing in in the news. You know, some people's body language. I think this guy's full of it. Here's why. Here's that. And so then we just said, well, let me just start videoing this and we'll put it on YouTube once in a while. We'll put it on all of our pages and we'll have a thing. Yeah. Okay, great. So we did one and we got like a million views on it. We're like, oh, we need to do another one. So we did another one. I think we got two million on that. So we started, we started doing them. So we became the behavior panel. And this is our, I think we've done over 100 shows now. Yeah. We started right after the, you know, fairly soon after the lockdown happened. And um, that's how Dr. Phil found found us. You know, he emailed and said, "Hey, listen, I want to talk to you." And we're like, hey, "Who is this?" And it really was him. You know, it was one of those things. Yeah. So he had to have one of his uh, had to have his assistant call and say, "You know, hey, no, it is him." We're like, "Oh, okay, great." <laughs> so that's how that's how we ended up meeting him. Great yeah. guy, though. You know, that's super cool. Actually, I was just listening to a podcast recently, and Justin Bateman was on, and and he was mm-hmm. asked about like how he would, you know like how you would market yourself as a, as an actor these days. Cause just because, you know, the whole landscape has changed, especially since he started when he was a kid and, mm-hmm. and he was talking about like YouTube and TikTok, like that's how you get discovered now. And, and you're a, an example of this. I'm going to, by the way, which episode's your favorite one on YouTube? Cause I'm going to include a link to that in the show notes. Um, geez, there, I don't know any of the last ones we've done. I, Most I recent ones. At all. Yeah. Let me take a look real quick and see what we got. Yeah. We, we do them like the day before they come out. So it's a real, uh, let me turn the volume down on this. <laughs> what we got on there. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely include a link so, so folks can. Uh, oh, yeah, just go to the behaviorpanel.com. If you make that the link, they'll go right to our, our YouTube page. That's oh, where it goes. Go. Okay, cool. So, but I, I don't know. There, there's a couple, there are a couple that I didn't like, I guess. Mm. But we did, uh, oh, I know it's a good one. It's, um, there's a guy named Don Wells mm. and his daughter, Summer is missing and he's from Tennessee. He's from Kingston, Tennessee. Yeah. And, uh, he called me, you know, we did a thing on them. Their, their news there did him. The, the, it's there's an Amber alert and the little daughter's missing. Still hadn't been found. And I got a call from this guy and he's like, I want to talk to you all. I'm like, okay, what do you want to talk about? Cause I knew exactly who he was. I knew everything. Cause we'd done the story. And we'd done one of our things on it. Right. And he said, well, I want to talk to you about my, my missing child. And I said, all right, well, we'll come out there. He said, no, I just want you to come out here. I said, well, it's going to be all four of us or, or I'm not coming. He said, well, we can't do that. So I talked to them some more and some more. And then he finally said, okay, well, Greg can come. So Greg and I went out, went to Kingston mm-hmm. and talked to him. And when there's a, a video of just that, of just us, it's not an interrogation. It's more of an interview than anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're talking to him about his missing daughter. And that apparently has helped a lot with the, uh, situation hmm. <laughs> that's that's what i'll tell you that's okay. what i'll tell you 
but yeah so it just it's it's the don wells exclusive interview it says okay so that's the one it's just greg and i talking to him about uh but you can see all the t- and then there's we did one uh after that about um the body language we saw in that interview so we break down what you see in that interview then we break it down in the next video all four of us do mm. so that's that might have been my favorite so far because it was we got to get right up next to the person it's like an interrogation when you're right next to the person yeah. who's in trouble so and you yeah. like the the <laughs> i would imagine the conversations you have so i often like when I, when i when i'm when i'm presenting and i'm talking about the work that you do i often joke that like and folks, it's so difficult to have a conversation with Scott in person because oh, yeah. I don't know, like, oh crap, my toes aren't facing him and my my arms are crossed and I'm not looking oh, right man. at him. And I'm like, oh my God. So like, as I'm talking to you in person, I'm like, oh God, I got to make sure I'm like doing everything. So how do, how do the four of you communicate with one another? That's got to be crazy. Well, no, Mark's yeah, not listening. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can see that, you know, but it's yeah. like, normal. we don't really call each other out on it, but yeah. one of us thinks the other one's full of it. Or, or a lot of times we'll, for about an hour before we do these shows, we'll goof around. We get, we, and just talk for about an hour. Then we'll do our show. Then we'll stop and talk for another hour. Yeah. So on there is where the, all the, we can see who's doing what and really pay attention. Yeah. Cause you can see when, when, if somebody's just going on and on about something, you can see us all, the other three just getting bored out of our skulls, <laughs> you know, but what the person is talking about, it's interesting, but we already know what they're talking about. So it's like, eh, geez, you know, yeah. can it dude? So, you know, put a lid on it. It's just, but you know, that's mostly what we look for. I think each other's boredom because we're not going to really bullshit each other. Right. Kind of tough. So t- tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, and you, you talked about how you're doing this sort of remotely and mm-hmm. how we're all communicating a lot these days or trying to communicate the best we can via zoom yeah. and, and all that. So do you have any, any tips for both reading who you're speaking with, but also communicating effectively virtually? Yeah, since all we can really see is like your chest and your head. Yeah, you know, if you can use your hands while you're commu- while you're communicating, like those uh, illustrators I was talking about earlier, mm. don't make them big and huge, but don't be afraid to use your hands and show them because that lets them feel like they're not just looking at a screen yeah. after a while, you know. So it's um, one of those things. It's the classics. Just make sure you're you know you're looking. Most people are looking at themselves during all this, you know. They'll look at the screen, they'll be looking at themselves. So, um, to see how they look. So they're they're trying to give their best look at the same time. And they're really not paying attention to the other person, where what the expressions that person's making. Do they understand what you're talking about? Are they into what you're talking about? Do you need to move on to something else? Mm-hmm. Do you need to ask them more questions about specific um, subjects you're talking about. So depending on the, 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 the type of, of meeting you're on for zoom, is this something where you're just getting interviewed like you and I are doing here, or is it a meeting where you're trying to find out, find out what's going on? Mm. You know, you want to always have that. You don't want to have a, your camera really low. So you're looking down at them. You don't want to have it too high. So they're looking way down at you. You don't want to be too far away from it and get a microphone for God's sake. Most yeah. people don't have them and you hear the whole room. They talk real loud. And it's real. You hear the whole room, you know, the delay from the room and, and the room sound is just, oh gosh. It's like they're in a there's tin some, can. Yeah. <laughs> but there's some mics you can get. They're like 50 bucks or 30 bucks. The one I, the one I got, let's see, it's this one down here that right now I'm using the, the, uh, sure. But now, but I got this thing called the insignia mm. and it's just a little, like a little bullet looking mic. And it was like 30 bucks because there were no mics when the, uh, once everybody started getting on zoom, I was like, oh, I better go down there and get a mic, you know, get a USB mic. So I went to Best Buy and the only thing they had left was this thing called insignia. It looked cool, but it was real cheap. I thought that's going to sound like crap, but man, it sounds awesome. Yeah. And most of the videos that we do on the behavior panel, that's what I'm using because you don't have to be like on this thing. You can be right up on it, you know, mm-hmm. but, and it still sounds okay. If you're, you know, about, you know, eight inches away from it, but this other one, this insignia thing, man, it sounds great. No matter where you are, you can be three feet from it. And it sounds like you're right here. So I really like that one a lot, you know, a yeah. whole lot. But if I'm doing something, it's just audio or something. I got to make sure everything's really clean and clear. And I, I want to make sure I'm focusing more. I put up this sure, the SV seven, that way I can, I know it's going to come through clean. And the only problem with the other one is if you move anything like this pen or something, not only do you hear that, you hear thump real hard if you use the other one. I thumped on with my hand on yeah, the table. Yeah, yeah, 
So that's the, that's the only thing about that. It's so good. It gets all the little noises. But make sure you have a good mic. That's, yeah. that's really important. I really love the, the idea, too. And I've read some, some articles about even the psychological effect of talking to a mirror, basically, because you're talking to a picture, a video of yourself, and rather right. like just killing that view and just putting on the view of the person that you're speaking with. Because you, I mean, maybe before the call, make sure you don't have any spinach in your teeth. But after yeah. that, like, there's no, I mean, if you and I are speaking, I'm not staring at myself in a mirror behind you as we're talking. Like it's yeah, just not realistic. True. So, so yeah. just kill that altogether. I mean, if the lights on your, on your camera, you can assume that they can see you and, and, and chances are they, they would let you know if they couldn't. Right. I right. use a, I use a post-it note above my camera with an upside down smiley face, which, well, I mean, it's up right side up um, mm-hmm. the way the glue is on the post-it note, but I affix it to my camera so that way when I'm speaking with someone or I'm doing, you know, I do a lot of virtual keynotes, a lot of webinars and mm-hmm. things like that. So when I'm looking at the camera, I'm reminded constantly by that smiley face to smile and, and be bigger than normal because you're speaking on it to a camera, but oh, you're yeah, talking yeah. to people. Right, um, right. I remember I, I studied radio broadcasting a million years ago. And one of the tips in that setting was having like a photo of your typical listener, you know, so if you're like a classic rock station, having some, you know, kind of long haired, classic rock looking dude, uh, posted above the, above the microphone in the box. So that way you're looking at him probably in that scenario. Um, dang, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So that way, you know, and that way the, the lingo you use and, and the way you speak even, uh, changes because of who you're speaking with. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great idea, man. Awesome. Great idea. All right. Well, let me let me uh, let me move on to the lightning round because I want to be respectful of your time here. All right. All right. So complete this sentence. Nice guys and gals finish. Uh, a lot of times they'll finish last. <laughs> you know, I want to finish first because I like to think of myself as a nice guy. But you know, if you're too nice, yeah, you get squished. Yeah. So. <laughs> I like it. I like it. What's a nice book that you recommend to the nice makers listening? Um. Let me think. What's a good one? A good one is, uh, oh, man, really reading a bunch of Ryan Holiday stuff right now. Yes. There's a, there's a book called Courage is Calling. That's a good book. That's okay. a really good one. I finished that the other day. That's Ryan Courage Holiday. Courage is Calling. Yeah, he's great, man. Yeah, he is. He is great. Uh, I just read, uh, oh, it was a little while ago, but it's, it's, um, it's going to be uh, like a Christmas gift book to a lot of strange, a lot of people, like an anonymous Christmas gift uh, to a lot of people in my family. Uh, and it is uh, Think Again, uh, Adam Grant. Right. Is it good? I haven't read that oh, yet. Oh, my God. It's so good. And you really want everybody in your life to read that book before, let's say, there's an election or <laughs> before there's like any important that, yeah. decisions to make. Uh, Think Again is is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got that down. How is unless Scott? You were- oh, sorry. Go on. No, I was gonna say unless you're sending me one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, if you get one, then uh, yeah, well, we can talk later. Uh, how is Scott Rouse nice to himself? Uh, geez, and I don't, I don't have any hobbies. So I, I there's there's times during the day where I. And this sounds so I shouldn't say this, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Uh, I like to read, but I like to read. You know. This sounds horrible. I don't read any fiction. Yeah. I just read stuff like studies and those types of things. So yeah. I, when I want to relax, that's what I'll do. God, that's I should say something else. <laughs> well, there's nothing that wrong go, with that. I, yeah, it just sounds so bad, so nerdy. But I really like reading about uh, behavior. So every day there's something new that comes out. You can find new stuff, PDFs and all that. And I send them to my Kindle. Yeah. So you can have a thing on your Kindle where you send it to your Kindle, and it'll format it just like Kindle. Oh, yeah. Whatever format you have. Oh, man. So you can read these studies in depth, and you can take them anywhere you want to go on your Kindle. Oh, God. Yeah, that Sorry, is man. huge. That is huge, and a lot of people don't realize. I didn't know that until just a number of months ago, and somebody told me about that, which is – so For if you're listening and you have a Kindle – well, I hope you're listening. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, with a Kindle, like Kindles give you a unique email address and you can email an attachment, which is the PDF, and you leave nothing, not even your signature in the email, just the attached PDF. And then in the subject line, just write convert and yeah. it magically formats it for your Kindle. Yeah, that's huge. 
All right, here's another one. You ready for this? Here's oh, another yeah, cable yeah. thing that's awesome. Now, when you're reading a book and you go through and you highlight stuff, do you know about this now? I'm going to get ready to say. Mm-hmm. Okay, you can highlight whatever you highlight throughout that whole book. Go to notes, and you can. It's a send to self, and you can send yourself a PDF of all the notes you set you put in there. Yes. Then you send that PDF back to yourself on your Kindle, and you have that PDF once you dress it up the way you want to. Uh, you know, you want to put the title of the book and something on it. You can do that before you send it. But uh, you send it back, and you've got a PDF of the notes you liked from that book. Yeah. How, I, how, I, yeah. Yeah. Go on. Go on. No, I was going to say, how nerdy is that? But yeah. if you're that into it, man, it makes all the difference to the world. It's it's the coolest thing about Kindle. It'll you highlight the notes, then you can send them to you at, when you're finished, and you have a whole PDF of just those notes. Yeah, I take the the nerd factor to another level, actually. And oh, what I do God. this <laughs> this is something I recommend people do too, which is. Um, Getting back to repetition and how repeating things will help you remember them. So one thing that I do is I take the notes from a book and then I transcribe them into a blog post. Um, Ah. And then what I do with the blog post, well, now I'm providing value to my readers and my subscribers and things because now they're getting that blog post. But I also use that blog post to network with the author. So then I tag the author when I share the blog post and say, Hey, so, and so I just, uh, just read your book and loved it. And here are some takeaways. And then it's a good way to maybe start a conversation with that author and, and get on their radar and start to network that way too. Dude, is there nobody you don't try to network with? <laughs> I should write a book about it. You should, you should, <laughs> that should be, that should be your next book. Because th- no matter what it is, there's always that take where you can network with the, the, anybody you're talking about. It's true. It's, it's the weirdest thing. No offense, but I mean, yeah. you figured out how to network with anybody. Well, there you go, man. You just got to do it nicely. That's that's the whole key thing. Ah, right? That's you what we're it. doing. It. That's what we're doing. Yeah. All right. Last question. If you had a billboard, what would it say? Uh, be nice to everybody because you don't know what they might be going through. I love it. Scott, how can people get a hold of you and how can they uh, learn more? Uh, ScottRouse.com, S-C-O-T-T-R-O-U-S-E.com. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. It's been fun. Well, thanks so much, Dave. I really appreciate it. And I haven't seen you in person since I think our last gig yeah. where we, we, we did, but I'll shoot, I can't wait to see you again. Thanks for listening to the Nice Podcast. Theme music provided by Alistair Crystal at AlistairCrystal.ca. Hey, if you enjoyed the conversation, please take a moment to leave us a review. The links are in the description. I'll have more of that soon. Did you know that new subscribers of the Nice Maker email newsletter receive a free copy of my little ebook, Improve with Improv? Each Friday, I share nice stories, tools, tips, and much more. And you can grab it now from nicemaker.co or by clicking the link in the episode description. I'm Dave Delaney. Take care and be nice. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe.